0: Focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the Makers of Minnesota.
1: Hi, it's Stephanie Hansen and you're listening to the Makers of Minnesota podcast and we are on episode number 49. If you've enjoyed what you're listening to, you'd be surprised how many people in the world still, they know about podcasts, but they don't really know how to find them. So if you could help them find um, on their phone or through Stitcher or Podcast One, any of the apps uh, I find is a very helpful way to find podcasts and introduce your friends because the podcast world is growing. There's a lot of expanded content that you can find there. and. This Makers in Minnesota podcast, one minute we're talking to someone who designed an app, and the next minute we might be talking to someone who breeds honeybees. It's just people doing cool things in the state of Minnesota, hearing more about how they do them. And today, for episode 49, we're here with uh, Micah Sveda, right? You Did I get it, it right? You got it, yep. Oh, he just went through it with me, and <laughs> I knew I was going to say it wrong. M- Micah Sveda, he is the owner of Bootstrap Coffee Roasters. And you brought in some coffee for me, and it's some beans. You brought me an Ethiopia Ad- adadu yep. and blue collar blend. And I just, I wish you guys had um, smell a vision because the beans themselves smell so different than coffee. They smell more like chocolate or kind of cinnamony. And when you walked into the studio, I was like sniffing your shirt. (laughs) I was like, do you smell like coffee? I imagine that you'd smell like coffee. So, you know, you got your start apparently in the Twin Cities at Quixotic Coffee and worked at Caribou. What was it about coffee that really just like turned you on? You were like, wow, I'm going to make a business out of this.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it was a matter of really just falling in love with the industry and with, uh. The product itself, and I think there's a lot of community, a lot of collaboration in the industry, and uh, really just a connection with people. And I think that that is a still, you know, kind of a big force that, you know, gets me kind of excited about being part of this industry. If
1: you're thinking about coffee, like in some respects, like wine or chocolate, you're getting this terroir of the soil or the growers. Um how is it that you you literally roast this coffee in a warehouse in St. Paul? Mm-hmm. So you go and you get the beans and import them and meet the people and then
0: Yeah, so we so most coffee is bought and sold through uh, importing companies? Like a commodity? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and there's uh there's you know a whole range of coffee right everywhere from, you know, everything like, stuff you would buy in the grocery store, like the ground can stuff, all the way to super high end stuff, mm-hmm. and those are bought and sold any number of different ways. You now we work uh, pretty closely with importing companies to uh, who help us to set up with uh, coffees that really work for our menu and the sort of coffees we're looking for. So they work directly with coffee producers and uh, cooperatives of coffee producers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other organizations um, at Origin Country uh, to, to select those coffees.
1: So let's say you uh, as a coffee roaster and me as a coffee roaster have the same bean. Mm-hmm. Is there something about the way you roast it that brings out better coffee than maybe the way I would roast it if indeed I was a roaster? Is it, it an art?
0: Yeah, yeah, it can. It can be different. It can be pretty different. Um yeah, I mean, definitely. There's a there's a whole range of, of possibilities. You know, you're you're manipulating uh, this raw product over you know anywhere from kind of seven or eight up to fourteen minutes, and so there's a whole range of possibilities there in terms of not only roast level, but exactly how you're manipulating the heat and the airflow of your roaster uh, to really kind of draw out different aspects. So mm-hmm. if you you know if you and I had the same Uh, Same coffee, and it, let's say, was kind of uh, a a coffee from, let's say, Guatemala that was maybe a little bit lower acidity, had a nice kind of chocolatey flavor, had a a little bit of kind of floral aspect to it as well. Um, Let's say you roasted it in such a way that you wanted to highlight those chocolatey notes, and maybe I wanted to highlight a little bit more of the acidity, so you and I would roast them in different ways depending on exactly what we wanted to bring out mm-hmm. in, that, in that coffee. So,
1: And when you talk about the acidity in coffee, is that like what makes your stomach hurt when you drink too much?
0: Uh, so there's, you know, so coffee has um, acid. Most coffee is about the same pH as a carrot. Mm-hmm. So it's not incredibly high pH. It's around five. Um, so it can be. It depends on... A little bit of how it's brewed, um, but typically when coffee people are talking about acidity, it's the level of kind of sparkle that the coffee sure. has, um, perceived you, acidity.
1: If you have a bad bean, can you make a good coffee? And if you have a good bean, can you make a bad coffee? Uh, Is the making of it as, as important as the bean itself or the roasting of the bean?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you have a, a bad coffee... Um, you really have no chance of getting a good cup. Um, it's just you're done. Yeah, yep. pretty much. I mean, you can you, you you can follow good coffee brewing principles and and you know it, it could maybe be okay. Um, but yeah, and but if you also have a good coffee, you know, you can you can ruin that too.
1: <laughs> so, are you working yourself? Are you like a one man band?
0: I started out that way. So when I started, it was. Uh, Three years ago in May, so just over three years yep. now, and uh, it was literally just me. I had a, a small roaster; it was a six-pound batch size, um, and uh, we we I, or I started to to grow, and and we started to kind of build customers pretty steadily. So now there's a uh, we upgraded. We're in the same facility, but we have a 25-pound batch size roaster. so We upgraded to a larger machine, and there's mm-hmm. four of us now.
1: And did you have to take out loans to get your machines and your equipment or were you were you able to cash and carry?
0: Yeah. Um yeah, so you know, the the roaster itself is probably like kind of the one of the bigger investments you're uh-huh. gonna make. So um yeah, I did so I did a combination of, you know, uh
1: the old Amex Visa card. Yeah, yep. Yeah,
0: <laughs> a little bit of that. I also did a, a, a small Kickstarter campaign when I got started. Oh you did? Yeah. And then uh and then yeah, and then like my life savings. So
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the Kickstarter campaign when when Kickstarter first started, I thought it was pretty interesting because it was like, oh, people can raise money for their small business, and what I quickly figured mm-hmm. out was it was as much a marketing campaign as it uh, was to generate revenue for the business. Was that how it worked for you?
0: For sure. Yeah, and I think that in order to for a, a Kickstarter campaign to be successful, it kind of has has to be a marketing campaign too, like yep. you know. So we we definitely raised a lot of um, community around our brand um, by doing that as well as capital you know
1: and do you think kickstarters jumped the sharks in some respects uh how do you mean like it seems like it's harder to get an organic kickstarter campaign going that's successful there's been a lot some have failed or people haven't fallen through on their promises i'm just wondering if it's still as popular as a marketing avenue as it once was
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe not so much as more. I think there's a lot of other, uh, crowdfunding, you know, I guess competitor, you know, websites. So, um, but you know, I, I think it still has a lot of value. Yeah. Um, And
1: it seemed like it worked really well for you.
0: It did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, how many brands of coffee do you have now?
0: Um, so we, so we work really seasonally. Uh, Excuse me. Um, so, at any given time, we'll have about seven or eight coffees on our menu. Um, we have a our Blue Collar Blend, which is like kind of our staple like house coffee. Yep. Um, and then we also have our DIY Espresso, and those are the mainstay, and so those are products that are always available year-round. Yep. Everything else is, is seasonal, so we'll bring in a coffee usually just for like between two and four months. And it um, makes
1: sense that it would be, but that's – probably not the way that we see it in a traditional market setting
0: right yeah you know a lot a lot of roasters have you know they'll maybe have you know 10 or 15 or even 20 coffees and they'll just have those available year round they'll buy sort of the quantity that they need to have you know let's say they're you know they might have a mexican coffee single origin on their menu and it's sort of available year round right or less um and you know you know customer can always count on that and you know. They find that they love that coffee, and they go to you know it's their go-to coffee, Um, and that model you know works. What we're doing is a little bit more, uh, like I said, more seasonally focused. So we're we typically book ahead about a season um, before the coffee arrives. So the coffees that we're looking at right now, our coffees are going to be arriving in the fall and early winter, and we're starting to plan our menu about what for what that's going to look like. Right. Right now. Um, so then we'll kind of book into those coffees and we'll sort of commit to a certain quantity. And then, um, it, yeah, and then we'll see those coffees arrive in the fall. So,
1: Who's the biggest um, retailer for you at this point? Or is it yourselves?
0: It's a mix. Yeah. I mean, our online store is, is really solid. Uh, we also are in um, a little over half of the co-op grocery stores mm-hmm. in town mm-hmm. and then a handful of uh, Coffee shops and restaurants and bakeries. So it's a really good mix.
1: Yeah, a lot of restaurants seem to carry your product too. And it's gotten competitive in the Twin Cities. I mean, there is a lot of specialty coffee companies here. How do you think yours stands out from like the Dogwoods or um, Bull Runs or any of those other types of...
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of other companies who are doing really good things. I mean, I think that, you know, what we have to offer is just really careful attention to quality... And responsible sourcing yep so the coffees are uh are really uh, both flavorful and as well as sourced in such a way that have, uh, they have a lot of transparency so um and we we celebrate kind of the fact that we're working uh with producers who are getting paid well and who to kind of take care of their um farm in a very environmentally conscious way yeah
1: like a sustainable marketplace type of situation when you um are in the twin cities here and like where do you go out to eat do you you have obviously a discriminating palate yeah certainly as it pertains to coffee like do you have a favorite restaurant or
0: i mean my wife and i were pretty much like foodies i mean well not much recently because we just had a baby so we're kind of like <laughs> yeah. on the DL now but like you know, I mean all over. Like we like to hit up all the new restaurants. So
1: Do you think um, you have like a different palate, like that's more refined, I guess, or more conducive to tasting coffee and being able to taste those subtleties like someone maybe would be able to taste wine?
0: I think it's uh I think yes, over and above sort of the average coffee drinker, but mm-hmm. that's not really anything like a natural talent or anything. It's just something that has come through working with coffees yeah so in the coffee industry we have uh and obviously we're tasting our coffees every day through a process called cupping um in the industry that's what it's called it's a sort of a ritual of i mean maybe some of your listeners have heard and have, of it or seen it so, uh, you're kind of slurping the spoons and i've only heard of cupping as it
1: pertains to gwyneth paltrow putting suction cups on <laughs> her back and <laughs>
0: yeah that's a, that's a different kind of cupping <laughs> so
1: tell me what this is
0: yeah so it's a Throughout the coffee industry, pretty much at every level, um, every level that's maybe above like the restaurant cafe level. Yeah, so that's why a lot of consumers don't really know about it because it's not really done there much. But from roasters and uh, to importers, exporters, cooperatives, and then on the, at the farm level too. Um, so it's a it's a ritual of uh, it's a process of uh, mm-hmm. evaluating coffees. And it's a it's an efficient way of doing it. So you can evaluate any number of coffees, usually like six coffees at a time, but it can be eight, ten, twelve. Yeah, I've seen a couple dozen coffees on one table at once. So basically, you have these little cups, and you put uh, your uh, you grind your coffee a certain amount, and then you uh, you evaluate the uh, the scent of that of that freshly ground coffee, and that's called fragrance. Okay. Then you put your um, hot water over the top and the coffee starts to brew. You wait usually between three and five minutes, usually four minutes. That's what we do at our roastery. And then um, you uh, kind of, the coffee will naturally form a crust over the top. And you take a spoon and you break that crust with your nose right about an inch above the cup. And there's a lot of gases that are trapped under there. and, And so it's extremely aromatic. So then you're smelling the aroma of. That, that freshly brewed coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you're taking and you're making notes. You're making notes on on everything so far. And there's a there's a scoring system involved, and so you know then you kind of write down your score for that particular coffee. And then you you know once you do all the cups, then you wait usually 10 or 15 minutes till the coffee is a little bit cooler, and then you go around and you um you slurp with spoons. Um and you usually then you you taste Why the coffee. Why you when slurp it's hot. with a spoon? Um, just because it's an efficient way, because then you can take just a little bit, you do your slurp, and then you rinse off your spoon, and you go to the next cup. Got it. Yep. So you can... Yep. Yep. So then you taste when it's hot, and then you taste when it's warm, and then you taste when it's cool. So the idea is that the coffee will uh, develop over time, and it changes flavors, and and the better coffees especially are just more and more dynamic. Coffee tends to get a little sweeter as it cools, and so... In order to get a true picture of what that coffee is, um, you know, that's why we taste it all the way from hot down to room temperature.
1: And we're seeing a proliferation of sort of cold brew, cold Mm -hmm. brews, and I didn't realize this, but you just said it, that the cold brewed coffee tastes different than that same coffee would if it was heated and it's more sweet and there's different characteristics
0: yeah, yeah. So that's that's actually a separate uh, brewing method called cold brew and that's and yeah, and that's known for for uh kind of subduing the acidity of coffee mm-hmm. and bringing out a lot of body and a lot of um, other flavors. So uh yeah, and that's definitely like it it you know, I actually just read an article the other day about it's it's uh so, you know, it's taken over really in a lot of ways. It's yeah. really kind of changing the industry in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah. You know, we used to kind of plan on summers being a little bit of a slump, you know, people are out and about, which is great. Like restaurants do well, but coffee shops and the coffee industry tends to, you know, dip a little bit just because hot coffee is not the first yep. thing on everyone's mind. Um, but that the game is totally different now, the last like three years. Yeah, it Cold seems Brew. like
1: it. I mean, just it seems like every coffee shop I pass is full of people and it's doing yep. great. Yeah. Um, which is obviously good for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you think about the next, like, five years, do you have, like, growth plans? Are you happy kind of growing incrementally? Are you going to take over the coffee world? What are you, what are you trying to accomplish?
0: <laughs> yeah. So what we're looking at in kind of the, the near-term, you know, future, um, like I said, the next the next five years, uh, as we grow out of our facility, very much, like, organic and slow, mm-hmm. slow but steady growth is kind of what we're at. Okay. So
1: And would that ever include, like, a coffee shop?
0: Yeah, so then our next steps is, is to uh, expand into a larger roasting facility that has a tasting room on site. Oh, neat! Um, as well as some uh, kind of training opportunities for both our wholesale customers, but also um, anyone who wants to kind of sign up for a class. Yeah, that'd be great. So, um, yeah.
1: I remembered, uh, I think Peace Coffee was giving classes that were like mm-hmm. it was a twenty-five dollar two-time class, and I thought, well, who needs to go to class to figure out how to make coffee? But you do. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's you, a lot of there's a lot of subtleties. You yeah, know? a lot
1: of geeking and a lot yeah. of science to it. Um, when you're gonna go have a cup of coffee, you're just in town. Where do you go?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, usually one of our one of our customers. Yep. Um, you know, I so. suppose it's
1: like asking you to pick out your favorite <laughs> child.
0: Yeah, yeah, but you know, we'll go around too. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of, you know, like especially the coffee in the Twin Cities is, for the most part, really like collaborative and supportive.
1: Yeah, and. Um,
0: it's almost like you know, like the craft beer community,
1: and that will help it grow. I I would think. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm kind of a Pollyanna about these things. Yeah,
0: but... yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah, I'll go to Dogwood and Spy House and Anna Lace Coffee up in Northeast. Mm-hmm. Angry Catfish is you know, um, is great too. So and and others. So.
1: All right, we've been talking to Micah Sveda. Did I get it right that time? Yeah, Bootstrap Coffee Roasters. Um, Did I read that you guys deliver coffee or have a coffee share or a subscription?
0: We do have a subscription, yeah. Tell me about that. We have a few subscriptions, actually. So uh, we have one that we've had from the beginning. It actually evolved out of that Kickstarter campaign. Okay. It evolved out of of, um, one of the rewards. And uh, it's basically, you know, since our focus is seasonal, we bring in a lot of coffees for shorter runs. And so we offer a... Uh, the first week of every month, uh, on a, uh, the first Wednesday of every month, specifically, we ship out kind of our latest and greatest. So it's a 12-ounce bag of coffee. Um, it's always a surprise. So it just kind of arrives in your mailbox. You don't know what it's going to be. It's always going to be something great. You also have get a, an informational email um, with a lot of backstory on that coffee. Sure. And, um, about the farmers and you, sometimes some brewing tips and things like that. And then you also get a promo code for 25% off uh Anything from our online store throughout the month.
1: So, what is a coffee share cost if you're going to do it for like a year?
0: Yeah, so it's uh, it's um, billed monthly. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so it's you can always like cancel anytime. Is um, it's 19.75? I love that idea
1: because yeah. then you really get to expose yourself to a the techniques of your roasting, which mm-hmm. from what I hear you're an amazing roaster. Well, thank you. And then also you get to try lots of different uh, coffees themselves.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then we have a couple other. Um, you know, we have a five-pound bag option that's good for like offices, and yep. um, and then some other, you know, like a blend subscriptions. If you don't necessarily want to try something new every month, we also have, uh, you know, we can subscribe to like our blue-collar blends. You always get the same coffee every month, yeah, or every week or however long however you want it.
1: Because so. isn't it time for offices to have good coffee? Oh yeah. Oh, the coffee <laughs> is just it's like it's terrible. Yeah. yeah, and it, you know, depending on what kind of an industry you're in. Coffee counts. Mm
0: -hmm, I think that should be a
1: t shirt. (laughs) Coffee counts. I'll keep that in the. the Yeah, that could be something that comes on down the road. Thank you so much for being with me today. It's
0: really my pleasure. Uh, The
1: idea of a coffee share sounds really cool. And cupping, you have taught me about cupping, which again, it's more than just Gwyneth Paltrow putting (laughs) weird plastic cups on her back. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely.